scripture reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, uh, on page 886 in your Black Pew Bible. I invite you to open your Bible or one of the Pew Bibles for the reading of God's Word that you might follow along as I read. We're continuing in the sermon series in the Gospel of John. And let us ask the Lord whose Spirit breathed out this Word and preserved it for us in Holy Scripture to breathe upon us afresh so that we might have ears to hear and hearts to receive and souls to respond in faith. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you do not leave us to ourselves. We thank you that in your grace and mercy you come to us and give us the invitation and the call to follow you. Oh Lord, teach us what that means, and grant us the grace that we might draw ever nearer to you, to the glory of your name. Amen. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, beginning at verse 35, let us hear the word of God. The next day, again, John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Jesus said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour, four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, So, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, as is so often the case in the Gospel of John, this passage from chapter 1 seems to be very straightforward and simple. And on the surface, it is straightforward and simple. It's not difficult to understand what happens in this passage and what it's about. It is about the beginning of Jesus' public ministry when he began to call his disciples to follow him. And in this passage, we meet Andrew and his brother, Simon Peter, and then we meet Philip and his friend, Nathaniel. And there's also another reference to another disciple who is not named, but more on that later. But you see, this passage is not about those men, not really. This passage is about Jesus about meeting Jesus, about getting to know Jesus, about seeing Jesus, about inviting others to see for themselves who Jesus really is. So, come and see. Watch what happens in this simple and straightforward passage. But beware, there is more here than meets the eye. This passage begins on the next day, the day after the preceding passage in which John the Baptist proclaimed Jesus to be the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. But if you, if you have your Bibles open, and I hope you do, and I don't want that to be an, a distraction to you, but if you'll just follow along, watch this. If you have your Bibles open, you can see that John uses this time designation, chronological designation, the next day at verse 29 passage we read last Sunday, on the next day, again at verse 35, again at verse 43, John is giving us a chronological, chronological sequence of events in the first week of Jesus' public ministry, somewhat, somewhat like, somewhat like the chronological sequence of the events in the first week of creation recorded in Genesis 1. Evening and morning, the first day. Evening and morning, the second day. You know how that goes in Genesis 1 as it gives us the account of the first week of creation. Well, you remember how the Gospel of John itself begins? John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, and we said a couple of weeks ago, we said... The Gospel of John is all about a new creation, the new creation that is coming into the world through the coming of Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the first verses of the Gospel of John are an echo of the very first verses of the Bible, and it tells us that the whole Gospel is about the new creation which comes into our lives through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, this is a major theme that we're going to hear over and over and over again as we work our way, Lord willing, work our way through the Gospel of John. This theme of new creation, new life through faith in Jesus Christ is one of the major themes of the Gospel. As people, as we read about people coming into personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And so, it is as though this first week of Jesus' public ministry is the first week, as it were, of the new creation coming into 
the world through Jesus Christ. Well, what happened during those first days of Jesus' public ministry? Jesus began to gather around himself a group of followers. This is the church of Jesus Christ in its embryonic beginnings. That's what's happening. The, the new covenant people of God coming, gathering around Jesus who called them to himself. Where we are and what we're doing right now all started in this passage. Andrew, Peter, Philip, Nathaniel. Jesus calls us to Jesus calls us to we are his disciples. I am one. And you. If you have responded to the call of Jesus Christ and come to him in faith and found the new life which is in him, that's happened in your life. Why? How? Because Jesus called you to him. And to his name be all the praise and all the glory. Well, we see John the Baptist standing with two of his disciples. Jesus walked by, and again, John said, Look, see, behold, the Lamb of God. And John's two disciples followed. You see, this was the moment that John had been hoping for. He had been teaching Andrew and the other disciples that were with him. He had been teaching them. He had been preparing for them. He was hoping and looking for that day when his disciples would become the disciples of the Lamb. And they started to follow him. But if you can see, can you see in this passage, would you see that Jesus walked by and they began to follow Jesus from a distance? They don't run right up to him right away. They don't strike up a conversation with him. Jesus is walking along. They are following with some curiosity, perhaps timidly, wanting to get closer to him, wanting to talk to him, wanting to get to know him, wanting to ask some questions. But, but would they? Could they dare? Would he welcome them? Would he accept them as his disciples? You see, there's some tension here as we'll see the story unfold. And maybe you yourself on another occasion, have, have felt this kind of tension when you've been in close personal proximity to a very important person. You know, maybe an entertainment celebrity or a star athlete or a political figure or a famous author, and you'd really like to walk up and introduce yourself and strike up a conversation with that person, but you're just not sure, you know, if you ought to do that or well, whether you would be well received. I think that's what's going on in this passage. I think that's what goes on in some people's hearts today regarding their relationship with Jesus Christ. They really are attracted to him. They really are curious about him. They really would like to learn more about him. But they're scared to get too close because maybe they fear he wouldn't accept them. Because maybe they think they're not good enough for him, not important enough for him. And so they don't get too close, but follow him from what they think 
to the stage with. You know? You can follow Jesus from a safe distance sitting right there in that pew. You're in the general proximity of His Word and Spirit. You're wanting to learn more about Him, intending to follow Him, but there might be something holding you back, holding you back from coming up personally close to Him and entering into a more deeply personal relationship with Him. That's how it was for those two disciples, he says. But watch what happens. John tells us that, watch, Jesus turned and saw them following. Now, John wants us to see this, and this is not by accident. This is not happenstance. Jesus turned. This was a deliberate action on his part. Jesus, knowing that they were following him from a distance, turned and saw them, that is to say, made eye contact with them, acknowledged their presence, and, watch this, initiated a conversation, really issued an invitation to them saying, what are you seeking? Now, now just think about it. Here is the man whom John the Baptist has identified as the Lamb of God, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God, and suddenly... He turns around, he looks at you and says to you, what do you want? <laughs> what a question. Whoa. What do you say? I might I imagine, maybe, I just imagine, maybe it might have been somewhat of a, 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 a humorous moment. Whoa. With two of the men looking at each other in speechless surprise. They weren't ready for that. And blurting out, Rabbi, where are you staying? What kind of an answer is that? You know what I mean? What? Well, maybe it was a, an indirect, guarded, blurbed out way of saying, uh, we want to come and talk to you. But again, would he accept it? Would he give them his time? Would he welcome them into his house? Now, Jesus' response is interesting. His response is always interesting, but just the conversation. What are you seeking? Oh, well, we want to see your house. Oh, come on. And so he does not tell them, look, he doesn't tell, well, I'm in the second house on the left after the curb in the road. That is not the answer he gives. He simply says, come and you will see. He doesn't give them the factual information. He invites them into a personal relationship. Hmm. Come and you will see. That might be a little scary. Now, this is the difference, friends, between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. This is the difference between talking about Jesus 
in talking to Jesus. This is the difference between learning about Jesus and living with Jesus. Come and see. And see, here's the good news. Jesus wants us to be with Him. He wants us to know Him. He wants us to talk to Him. Jesus welcomes all those who follow Him, who will follow Him. What He said to those disciples, He says to you and me, Come and you will see. Come with me and I will take you into my dwelling place. You've got to understand, as I've made the point as we go through these passages in Sunday school, that the Gospel of John is very simple and very straightforward. But it is deeper than the deepest ocean. And John, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is speaking to us a very profound message here. Jesus was not merely giving them an invitation to come and see his house where he was staying. He was beckoning them into a personal fellowship with himself. The scripture says they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. It was 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And by the way, just, just make note of this. The other disciple, the other disciple who's not named is the author of this gospel, John. You see, he, he, he puts his signature on the gospel by saying Andrew and another disciple. Well, he's referring to himself. That's his fingerprint. Here's another fingerprint of historical authenticity. Historical eyewitness authenticity. He's telling us, I know what time it was. I was there. It was the 10th hour. And so we spent the night. Just a little tidbit. The Gospels are not made-up stories. Okay? Not made-up stories. They're eyewitness records. These little details matter. As a matter of historical veracity. Okay, but now let's go a little deeper. They came and saw where he was staying. It's a word that is also translated, can be literally translated dwelling. Dwell, dwelling, abide, abiding. We can literally translate the sentence, they dwelt with him where he was dwelling. I somewhat wish that the English Standard Version had translated it that way because now we're getting below the simple surface. I think there is some symbolism in these simple words, deeper meaning and a foreshadowing of what will be later revealed in the Gospel of John. This sentence puts a spiritual overtone on these rather simple, superficial facts. John wants us to see that what took place there, the disciples going into the house with Jesus at his invitation, staying with him where he was staying, dwelling with him in his dwelling place, was like a living parable, a real-life parable which shows us the promise of the gospel dwelling with Jesus in his presence, in his company, in his house, dwelling in his house forever. You remember what Jesus said on the night of the Last Supper? 
In my Father's house are many mansions or many rooms. The word can be translated, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. What's happening in this little passage is a, a little sign, a little foreshadowing, a little promise of the big, big, big gospel. Dwelling with Jesus. Jesus said on the night of the Last Supper, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we, the Father and the Son, we will come to Him and make our home with Him. Promise of the Gospel. Jesus and the Father come by the power of the Spirit. Come into our lives. Bring new creation. Bring a, a whole new world into our lives. How? By coming and making their home with us here even as a home is prepared for us in heaven with them. Are, we, are you getting this? Are you connecting here? This is, this is the promise of the Gospel. Living with Jesus. Dwelling with Jesus. On the night of the Last Supper, John 15, Jesus said, Abide in Me. Which means live, remain, dwell. Have your home in Me and I in you. Whoever abides in Me, whoever dwells continually in me, in fellowship with me. He it is who bears much fruit. So you see that, that John here is giving us this little picture, this little parable of what the coming of Jesus into the world is all about, of what discipleship with Jesus is all about. Living with Jesus now and forever. Well, as the story unfolds, Andrew goes and finds his brother, Simon, Peter. And uh, then it continues. Jesus, John tells us, goes to Galilee, up to the northern region. And he finds Philip. So there's a lot going on in this passage about seeking and finding and seeing, being given new sight. All of this is new creation. Philip goes to Nathaniel and says, We have found the Messiah. We have found him of whom Moses wrote. But, you know, really when we read this passage, if you think about it, and when we read of other encounters with Jesus in the gospel, when we look at our own experience, here's the question who really who really is the one doing the finding here? I mean, did Andrew really find Jesus? Did Philip really find Jesus? Well, I think it's the other way around, isn't it? I think Jesus found them. And I think they saw Jesus for who He is because He first saw them, as John later beautifully expresses in his first epistle. We love because God first loved us. But it's an encouragement to us 
when we think about going and sharing the faith and inviting others to Christ, that Christ himself is already at work in the world, already at work in the lives of, of other people. We see this in the record of Philip going and finding Nathaniel and, and saying, we have found the Messiah. We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets wrote. Well, Nathaniel didn't respond very enthusiastically. What do you mean? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? It was a rather skeptical and cynical, negative response. And Philip's response is really brilliant, and it's an example for us as we share the gospel. It's, it's simply a matter of, well, come and see. Accept people where they are. Accept people in their doubts. Accept people in their hardened cynicism, if you will. But trust that the Lord Himself is already at work ahead of you. All we have to do is issue the invitation. Come. Come and see. We can, we can see in the case of Andrew and Peter and Philip and Nathaniel, you see that it's, it's the working of Jesus Christ, the sovereign Lord, by the power of His Spirit that draws other people to himself. People today are willing to investigate many things and consider new ideas and try new philosophies and experiment with all kinds of spiritualities of one form or another. You know, this is the age of so-called so-called open-mindedness and whatever, and you know, whatever makes you happy. Well, then, it's a great time for us to be saying, come and see. Come and see who Jesus is. Learn who He is, what He said, what He did, what He offers. Come and see if He is not what you are searching for from the bottom of your heart. The interchange between Jesus and Nathaniel at the end of this passage is, is uh, very, very interesting. Jesus calls Nathaniel by name. Nathaniel's never met Jesus in his life. He's, he's blown away. How do you know me? Jesus said, well, before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. And, and, and Nathaniel is immediately convinced, well, you, you must be the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus said, oh, no, come on. Just because I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? You know, you, you hadn't seen nothing yet. But Nathaniel is blown away, but Jesus goes on to say, this isn't about my being a prophet or any kind of a clairvoyant that I could see you from a distance. Jesus says, you're going to see something, the most important thing. You're going to see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Angels ascending and descending, descending from heaven and going back to heaven again. And that's a reference to the story in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis of Jacob's ladder. That God came to him personally in a dream. And now God has come personally into the world in the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. And he tells Nathaniel, you're going to see the angels of heaven ascending and descending on the Son of Man. 
you're going to see me, Nathaniel, as that ladder, the real ladder connecting heaven and earth. You're going to see that God has come into the world to redeem the world, to redeem you, to provide a way from earth to heaven. The ladder connecting heaven and earth. And, of course, Jesus was at that point in a veiled way, but nevertheless clear to us, I hope, at this point, He was speaking of Himself. I am the ladder that connects heaven and earth. You will see that ladder when you see me on a cross. The cross of Jesus Christ, His death for our sins, His resurrection from the dead to give us everlasting life, His ascension into heaven, assuring us that His sacrifice for us is complete and effective and nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us. Why can nothing separate us? Because Jesus Christ and His work on the cross is the ladder which connects heaven and earth. That is what Nathaniel will see. That is what Jesus wants us to see. That is what Jesus wants the world to see. To see that He is the one who connects heaven and earth. Let us come to Him, live with Him, follow Him all the days of our life. Let us pray. Father, for all of Your goodness and mercy, we thank You and we praise You. We ask that You would help us to apply Your Word more fully to our lives. We pray, O oh God, that You would grant Your Spirit that we might rejoice in the promise of salvation and offer ourselves more fully to follow Jesus Christ every day. To the glory of Your name, 